Welcome to the Off-Duty On-Duty Podcast. I'm your host, Brian E., part of the ConcealedCarry.com Podcast Network, along with Firearms Trainers Podcast and the ConcealedCarry.com Podcast. Welcome to episode 83. My guest today is going to be Steve Moses, Steve Mo from Palisade Training Group out of uh, the greater Dallas area of Texas. We're going to talk church security and safety, kind of in the vein of what we did with DB. Now, word from our sponsors, quick word. As always, EDC Belt Company at edcbeltco.com, the foundation belt, the most comfortable, functional, concealed carry belt on the market. CCW Safe. Get 10% off your membership by using code OFFDUTY10 at checkout. The most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team. And a reminder, the Guardian Conference is coming up. It's right around the corner in September. I'll be there teaching. Uh, got a bunch of instructors on the lineup this year. Breakfast and lunch included. There's a uh, sponsor hotel. Uh, if you check out Guardian Conference. And uh, as always, links are in the show notes. Uh, that'll give you all the information you need to come to Oklahoma City and uh, train with some of the best trainers in the country. Let's bring in our guest. And we're live. Welcome back, Steve. It's been uh, it's been a good few... Good evening, Brian. Yeah. Thanks it's been for a... having me back, bro. Yeah, anytime, man. It's been a few dozen episodes here. Lots transpired in the last uh, few months. and uh, uh, That is true. Yeah. I uh, I finally got to go visit Mr. Givens, as evidenced by the last episode, and uh, I am so glad. Aren't you glad you did? I am, and I am still uh, thoroughly impressed. And I I actually got one of his books, that concealed carry class book, and yes, I, I got to tell you, Rob Garrett asked me about the uh, prerequisites for like going to range master instructor. That's like the best twenty bucks you can spend. I think to get, uh, it really is. It really is. Uh, he is a phenomenal writer. He's actually put out a lot of content, probably God, going back 20 plus years. I think he was writing at one time, a monthly column for SWAT magazine. So every month you could anticipate, uh, you know, getting your SWAT magazine in the mail and seeing an article written by Mr. Gibbons. Yeah. The, uh, uh, what was it? The, concealed carry class book i bought it and uh and it gives a pretty good window into what that instructor school is so i'm sorry i missed it last episode because i didn't have the book yet but uh the other uh the other point was tom actually put out on the range master facebook page today he actually shared the link to the podcast and uh he wrote some some kind things about about me on there and uh so if he ever does listen to one of these thanks tom i appreciate it that meant a lot to me and uh rob garrett another little quick snippet to him is he was the one that suggested that he host the off-duty on-duty podcast and interview me about that so that was his uh his brainchild so to speak was to kind of turn the tables a little bit and uh and, awesome yeah and be I, on the other side of the mic yeah, yeah, and I, I love going on other people's podcasts, uh, 
but it was kind of cool to, you know, Rob Garrett's done that. And then Rob Beckman has done that twice, uh, back in the previous episodes. If you look at Beckman's got some questions for you, officer, that one. And then part two, uh, where I let Rob Beckman kind of host the show. And then this one, Rob Garrett even did the introduction. That was kind of a, we had a good time with it. I'll just put it that way. It was, it was uh, there's fun. There's quite a difference between being a guest and a host, isn't there? Yeah, there's, uh, there's like no pressure. Just don't say anything stupid. So <laughs> that's, that, that's true. You know, as a, as a host, you can prepare and kind of have a direction you want to take it. And as a guest, uh, you see what questions are going to come your way and then try to, you know, come up with some sort of intelligent, you know, answer uh, right. without giving a lot of thought of it and not hoping that or hoping that later on you're not going to regret whatever came out of your mouth yeah and er, i gotta admit early on when i started somebody invited me to a podcast and i said i said in on this podcast and i said something uh i can't remember oh I, I said something like you know police work has a tendency to be a full contact sport uh it, you know it was just kind of one of those off-the-cuff comments that mm-hmm. And I had like 19, 20 different cops reach out to me and they're like, dude, uh, you know, I had to answer to that in a deposition. And I was like, well, I can't undo it now. So let's just hope for no depositions. But, and it was said in jest, you know, in context, but, but things like that, they can kind of, uh, (laughs) they can kind of create a life of their own. They're out there. They're out there forever. Yep. There, there, there's no undoing that, but, but it is what it is. And, uh, so tonight we're going to talk church. I, I, I even put in safety and security, uh, I, because I know there is a, there is a finite line and difference between the two, but, uh, tell me a little bit about You've been teaching a deal kind of in conjunction with FTA, I think, uh, or fire. And well, Strangers actually we, we developed an initial, uh, uh, House of Worship Security Team Instructor Course. Okay. Uh, that was about, I believe, maybe two years ago. Okay. And uh, that was just, that was a one-time thing that we developed in conjunction with uh, some of the, the members of, uh, you know, or the, the owners, if you will, and uh, employees of CCW Safe and the Farm Trainers Association. Okay. So we ran that. Uh, that was a two-and-a-half-day Actually, it was a three-day class out at Mead Hall, great range out there. And uh, we put out a lot of good information. Uh, we turned out well over a, a dozen students that I feel like are very capable of being, you know, uh, instructors or at least security team leaders themselves. Uh, since then, I was fairly instrumental in developing that, uh, kind of set out the curriculum, uh, worked with Rob High you know, to get some of the, the the people that did some of the presentations. And then since then, my school, Palisade Training Group, we initially were teaching those church security classes. Well, we decided to continue on with that. Okay. And so during the last two years, kind of what we've done is we kind of took what we did there and we kind of refined it and reassembled it in places and knocked some of the hard edges off. And we have uh, developed a church security team instructor slash leader development course. And uh, we're going to teach our first iteration of that. It's going to be in two levels. And we're going to teach our first uh, level one course 
in October at Carl Renz Range yeah. down in Lincoln, Texas. And then the second one out there at the 5-0 range in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and that'll be that first weekend in December. Okay. And is that the level, like the level one course again? That's the level one. Uh, I always kind of look at these things like, oh, yeah, this is the basic course. To me, Brian, and I think you might agree, is you're going to learn the most critical stuff in your first basic fundamental course. Yeah. You know, that's the most critical information that's out there. And as time goes on and you pile onto that, to me, what you're doing is you're either building onto that or you're perhaps adding stuff that maybe is going to be less critical. Otherwise, you would have had it in the basic course. But basically, what we want to do is uh, turn out some instructors, you know, that have had 32 hours of training that includes, you know, not only uh, being able to understand how to develop a church mission statement, uh, how to develop security plans, uh, operating plans, uh, how to, you know, put your people in a position where they're best positioned so that if an active shooter or someone that's, you know, has criminal, violent criminal intent uh, comes, they're there to intercept them. And then, you know, how to, how to run that team. So you always have that people in place in the right times. And then along with some, you know, some, some critical unarmed combatives, I think most security people in a security position are much more likely to be assaulted than shot. Active shooter gets most of the attention, but most of the violent criminal incidents that you'll see in faith-based organizations are going to be, you know, something that's uh, like a robbery or domestic violence or personal conflict. And, you know, you need to deal with those situations. And again, I I don't want to, you know, diminish the importance of uh, active shooter response, but, you know, even if one person gets killed in a simple robbery, that's, you know, one victim too many and we kind of want to teach those uh, security teams how to do the best they can to make sure that that doesn't happen on their watch yeah the uh you mentioned some domestic violence uh you know the the church i go to rather infrequently these days sorry but uh you know that was one of the big concerns five years ago was you know we have we have men and women that are in the throes of an ugly divorce and uh this is kind of like the prime spot that they they all know they've been here together and and it's it's something that uh is always a potential issue you know well when the marriage splits you know who gets who keeps the church right so right <laughs> i mean it it's a thing right it and uh that was something even one of the associate pastors talked to me about was like you know we Sometimes we're counseling very, very volatile marriages that are, uh, you know, they come here for counseling or for guidance or whatever. So, you know, the potential exists there. And uh, well, in many instances, Brian, uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to immerse themselves in a different lifestyle. I'm going to get my life straight. I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to make new friends. You know, with a lot of churches, they're very welcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, of course, you know, they want new people to join the church. Uh, they have these groups, uh, many instances, it's young people, they do things. It's almost like a social event. And so, you know, you've got that, that, that person that's now getting involved in that, or perhaps they're counseling now with the, the minister right. or one of the other church leaders. 
and the minister, you know, is trying to give them, you know, good information, uh, you know, basically help them make the decision that will maybe put them in a better spot. Well, if they go back and they tell the estranged other, now, most typically we think of that as a, as a boyfriend or a husband, but it can, it can, it can be a girlfriend or a wife too. Those do happen. Is that, yeah, the minister at the church or the church leader said, I need to do this. Well, then now you not only have uh, a guy or a woman that has a problem with their estranged partner, they also have a problem with the church. Right. And so a lot of active shooters, uh, basically, uh, the, the, the impetus behind it is going to be personal conflict. It's kind of the neutral ground, so to speak. It's the best way I could describe it. I mean, my marital track record is not all that great. And uh, church has been involved a few times. So it it seems to uh, have possessed the potential for a violent encounter if there was going to be one. Or, you know, if people are irrational, I guess you could say. Yes, sir. And that may be the easiest way for that estranged uh, partner ex-partner, if you will, to gain access to that person. That may be the easiest way for them to do that. And I listened to a a really good podcast uh, Lee Weems had with Ed Monk. Ed Monk, uh, I took my active shooter instructor course from Ed. I mean, Ed is just solid. Have you had Ed on your podcast yet? I have not. Um, Uh, Let me recommend Ed Monk. He is a fantastic instructor and he's a fantastic podcast guest. And one of the things that Ed said, I believe, and I don't want to speak, you know, incorrectly, but that in many instances, you know, an active shooter incident is basically, it's just a form of suicide in that the active shooter had no intention whatsoever of coming out of this event, you know, alive. Yeah, very so rarely. If some of those people, they, they, they feel that way, my life is not, you know, worth living. And you know what, uh, this person harmed me and, you know, these people, you know, they made fun of me or whatever. Uh, well then, you know what, I'm going to take them out. Uh, you know, my background, I was a a reserve deputy constable. I actually, uh, held that commission for 18 years. And one of the things that we did was we served what was called writs of possession and a writ of possession was a, a notice from the court you know, after, you know, several prior notices uh, that you need to evict the, the, the tenant. The tenant needs to turn the, 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 you know, the possession of the home or even an apartment in some instance, you know, over to either the, the landlord or the bank or whatever. Well, you get these guys and, uh, okay, so you've got a guy, perhaps let's say he's middle-aged and uh, he's lost his job. And his wife is divorcing him, and he has a temporary restraining order against him. Uh, he can't even see his children without supervision. He has no way of paying up all of his expenses. You know, we were kind of, I don't want to say we were scared of those guys, but we were very cautious when we were serving those writs of possession notices to those guys because it was very common for them to be considered capable of doing, you know, what you, we typically refer to as suicide by cop. Well, we were always kind of dialed into that. And when you think about that, there's so many other people 
that are in a similar situation like that that are out there and you know they've got the same kind of problems and you know the thing about a church is it's just an extremely vulnerable area it's easy to get into and if you want a high body count i mean you can have a sanctuary that may have three to five thousand people in it with maybe six exits and in a short amount of time if that's your objective you can amass an extremely high body count yeah and you know that's the place that they took the side of my ex-wife you know that's what that's what my mind goes to oh well that's my that's my ex-wife's or my ex-spouse lover whatever you want to say that's their support system yeah so i i can see how that could be a very high potential for for violence there um so along the uh church security lines what are like three like say three layers of security right that's i kind of look at everything has like concentric circles of of uh interlocking security with it if you really want to make an environment uh I won't say impervious well, that's to probably violence, gonna be, but uh, I would probably say is that you're going to have uh, control, at least physical or visual control of the outer perimeter, which would probably be, you know, the parking lot and the sidewalks. Uh, you're going to have control or at least, you know, eyes on. Uh, those areas in which people can enter, and then you're going to have key personnel in places where you think that the likelihood of a uh, of some sort of criminal incident might take place. So for me, if I were setting up uh, my, my church security um, uh, operating plan and positioning the members on my team, I would definitely have people uh, out in the parking lot. Uh, actually, that's where most violent criminal incidents take place. Far more violent criminal incidents take place outside of the building than inside the building. And if possible, we also definitely want to intercept those people before they can get into the building. So I want someone out there that is around those doors or at a minimum, let's say, for instance, if I have a locked door, at least I have some sort of video control of that. Uh, if it's breached, uh, I can, you know, alert the team leader to get people in place. Uh, I want to have someone in the area in which people initially enter, whether it's an atrium or foyer or whatever. I want to have someone there. I definitely want to have people in the sanctuary. And I definitely, definitely want to have people that are somewhere close to the children's area nursery uh, in a position where they could react to or actually see any pending threat moving to that area. Let's shift gears just a touch. Um, so we've, we've covered the exterior interior stuff. Let's talk about intelligence for a minute. And I think this is something that gets very overlooked and I didn't mean to spring this one on you when we talked pre-show or anything, but, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of intelligence, they think, well, there's a dossier and there's, you know, somebody's name, right. birth date, mugshot, all this, all this, uh, metadata that goes along with this person. What I consider to be intelligence is like, 
hey, man, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so are going through a divorce and it's ugly. And this is where they normally sit. So somebody kind of keep an eye over there and make sure that that doesn't, you know, that nothing spirals out of hand if both of them show up today. Is that something, can you talk a little bit to that maybe? Well, I easily can because that's part of uh, our operating plan is that uh, we teach our instructors to have all of their members, their church security team, to come to the service well before the earliest service uh, and we have a sit-down pre-worship meeting, at which time uh, we discuss exactly things like that. Uh, if we have pictures of those particular people, then we circulate those pictures. Uh, we request that the church members, I mean, the church team security members uh, stay on the lookout for those, those, those people. And we also get that information to the, uh, the Parkers and the greeters at the door. We make sure those parkers and those greeters uh, have comms. Uh, they're able to uh, communicate, uh, you know, that information that they see to the church team leader. And we actually do some training and actually make them kind of part of our overall eyes and ears. So we do have a pre-worship meeting. Uh, that is something that's mandatory. Uh, it was time we talk about concerns. We assign positions. Uh, we make sure that everything's in place. Uh, we typically suggest that at that time, the person or persons that are going to be in the parking lot areas go ahead and assume their position and that the other members do a pre-worship sweep of the facility. That is, they go through every single room in the church facility and they do an inspection just to make sure that there's nothing out of place something that should be there that's not or something that shouldn't be there that is. And we feel like what that does is it kind of dials in our team and like, okay, guys, it's time to focus. We're at work. Uh, once we've done that, then we go ahead and we have our team members assume their assigned positions. Uh, typically, those are posts. We like to refer to those posts by numbers because that makes it easiest for them to stay. And they know what they're required to do, uh, where, how long they're supposed to stay there, when they can move to another post. Uh, is there going to be a push? That is, are we going to switch positions because there's more than one service? Uh, we have all of that laid out so everybody kind of knows what their job is. Yeah. Now, along that, do you recommend they wear the same clothing? Like, do you try to make this a uniform type? Uh, and I don't mean uniform in the traditional sense of I have my name on my embroidered on my shirt or a name tag. Uh, I'm talking, do you recommend that they wear, okay, khaki slacks and a, and a, you know, a light green sport coat or, or, or whatever it, do, you, do you try to keep things uniform in that regard or is it, uh, I never have, I never have, although I'm aware of two facilities that did exactly that. Uh, you know, one, they wore blue blazers and another one, they actually wore kind of lightweight vests that actually just identified them as being, you know, uh, members of the church, whereas the other greeters also tended to wear similar vests. Uh, but for the most part, most churches don't want to kind of, how should I say this? 
uh, they don't want people to become concerned that this church might be such a dangerous place that they have to have active armed professionals there. And yeah. so for the most part, uh, it's pretty much uh, covert. And uh, in many ways, by the way that the uh, church security team, uh, you know, the way they act, the way they position themselves, uh, they have earbuds. It's pretty obvious to someone that comes in there and they're start looking around, kind of seeing, okay, are there any holes in this game? Uh, it's pretty easy to pick up that, wow, there's somebody over there, and they seem to be kind of dialed in. They're looking around, and, uh, you know, they may be looking for somebody that might be considering doing what I'm thinking about doing. So it's just kind of up in the air, but for the most part, I've always worked in a pretty much of a covert types environment. Yeah, that's uh... – you know, the churches I've attended, uh, they've never really been yeah, overt about this is security, but we've had mm-hmm. people that were greeters that would all wear the same polo, you know, and have a little name yeah. tag that said greeter, et cetera. And, you know, the old cop in me says, ah, oh, they're, they're probably working together here for some other reason that maybe is not so overt, right? But, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then, yeah. uh, no. the, uh, but you were talking about pre, would you say pre-worship meeting, pre-worship, pre- pre-worship meetings, pre-worship meetings, uh, basically takes place. You get there about an hour before the service. Uh, you know, you can spend, you know, maybe 20 or 30 minutes in there. Uh, the guys have, an, and, and women too, then have an opportunity to go use the restroom, get some coffee, chat for a while. And then, they're on the job, start their, uh, you know, their pre-worship sweep, and uh, you get your doorman uh, out there watching the parking lot as soon as possible. How do you address the armed versus unarmed uh, dynamic? Uh, well, I tell you what, uh, for me, if I couldn't be armed, I would not be on the team. I mean, I understand that there are churches and other houses of worship that say, yeah, we, have, we want to have a security team, but we're not willing to, you know, have them armed. And for me, I really, I, I don't want to just dismiss them. I'm like, I understand that's your right, but I'm not the person to, to, to work with. Uh, I am a firm believer that when violence comes in hard, uh, the only way probably to deal that with that is violence going the other direction. And if you don't have the people with the proper mindset, the skill, the training and the tools, uh, you're going to see a lot of people probably get hurt or killed. So yeah, I just, I, I, God, I hate to just kind of cop out on you, Brian, but no, I, I, I just don't all. go there. Well, the, uh, the reason I asked that is, uh, you know, one of the, the churches I attended, uh, under Oklahoma state law, if they had a team that they called a security team, they had to be bonded, licensed, insured. They had to, there were a a whole lot of layers of legality there uh, that were hurdles that they didn't want to, oh, how to say it, that they they didn't really want to engage. So their attitude was, you know, if you are legal to carry a firearm and you are, you know, you have met the, the legal requirement to carry a firearm, which at the time you had to, possess a concealed carry permit uh they were like 
you can be part of our safety team. And if you're carrying as long as it's covert, we, we don't want to know. Uh, but there was no formal infrastructure there to, to really support that. And that's something that uh, a lot of the quasi security safety or pastoral uh, staff people have asked me as a policeman, like, well, we need to have some security here. And it's like, well, if you formalize it, there are a lot more steps to go through here versus these people are legally armed citizens that are volunteering their time to a church. So which like, are you speaking to both of those crowds in a, in a security instructor? Oh, I tell crowd? you what. Okay. I, I, I didn't realize it was that way. Is that, is it, is it that way in Oklahoma right now? Uh, part of the church security team, arm church security team, you have to be a bonded, uh, security officer. Well, that's kind of one of those gray areas that nobody really wants to talk to. So I figured, Hey, why not do it on my podcast? No, <laughs> uh, okay. and, okay. and I don't okay. mean that contrite. Um, one of the things that's come up is, is, and I don't know how to answer it because as you well know, like when you're the local cop and you're Joe friendly, because you you're about to retire or whatever, um, you know, people ask this question, like we should formalize some type of process here to make sure that, that, you know, people can come here safely. But if we formalize it to a degree, we may have to run through the legal hur- hurdles of carrying a bond and carrying licensure and making sure that the people that are quote on our security team are licensed security guards under the state versus yes, sir. we have a safety team or a safety network and some of them are armed, but they choose to be that way because they're legally armed citizens and they're volunteers here. So the way a lot of churches I've seen in Oklahoma, uh, I won't say circumvent that, but the way that they kind of run the roundabout around it is they hire uniformed police officers uh, during their worship times, right? So you have one or two or some of the bigger churches up to four or five armed, uniformed police officers on campus or on their church grounds when they're having any type of event versus, you know, a church that I went to that was relatively small and maybe didn't have the budget to hire a, uh, a uniformed cop. They would say, we have a safety team here. Your job is to make sure nobody skins their knee, hand out band-aids. Greeters have their job. There are these layers of security, but they're not so overt as to be uh, off-putting to somebody that's just trying to come to church. But a lot of them were lawful concealed carriers. Uh, Oklahoma passed a constitutional carry and several of them said, you know, I, I don't want to carry here if I don't have training. So I'm going to go get some training and they'd go see our, uh, our, our good friend, Will Andrews or somebody like that and get some firearms training, but nobody really formalized it, so to speak. Um, so how do you address that? Well, I tell you what. Actually, I've got a great deal of experience with that. Uh, when uh, Alan and I started doing church security uh, back in two thousand and one, in order to do church security, you had to be a licensed and bonded level for level four personal protection officer, which means in Texas, in order to be 
a uh, to do executive protection, you have to go through a 45-hour course uh, and then be bonded, uh, attached to a company in order to do church security. So I actually got my level four, followed by my level four uh, personal protection, uh, protection officer instructor license, our license to teach it. I've had that license now since basically 2002 all the way to this day. Uh, during that time, there were multiple churches in Texas that were doing exactly what you said, in which they had basically people that were carrying in a church uh, with their concealed handgun license, and they were the, you know, quote-unquote safety team. And it was pretty well known that, one, uh, those people were exposing themselves to quite a bit of civil liability. And secondly, if they're just going to be a safety team, well, probably they're not going to be training and working as a team and doing active shooter response exercises. And so, you know, my thoughts to this is that if you basically, if you're going to do church security in a state where uh, church security is regulated by the private security bureau, uh, you need to understand you're putting yourself at risk if you do that. And most especially, you know, if something should happen on your watch and even worse, uh, without good training, I'll tell you what, the possibility of what I refer to as a blue on blue goes up very highly. Brian, did you watch the video of the uh, shooting at uh, white settlement with Jack Wilson? I did, and that's one of the reasons. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up because within a few seconds of, uh, and and I'll just say it, Jack Wilson doing some absolutely superhuman shooting, and uh, I mean, I I hesitate to use the word hero because I don't think people that do heroic stuff like that title, but that dude was Superman on that day. Um, he was Superman on that day. He was. And there are people that have developed shooting drills about that and all this other stuff. And I go, that's <laughs> great. It was still a tragic incident, but within a, a very few seconds of that incident firing off, all I saw were people, there were people that were unarmed that were, you know, ducking and looking for where to go. And the people that were armed were standing up with guns. Um, and there were guns and pointed at every direction on the compass. There were a lot of them in that sanctuary. So just envision now what might have happened had Jack not been there and that guy had continued to, uh, to, to shoot into the, uh, into the audience because it looked to me, and I've, I've studied that, I actually have that video on our PowerPoint presentation for our church security team instructor leader development classes. And I've looked at that in slow motion. And basically after the shooter shot the first uh, security officer and then shot the other, uh, the, the usher, he actually turned 90 degrees and was facing. He gave Jack a sideways shot at his head. And it looked to me like he was getting ready to shoot into the crowd. Yeah. So probably had Jack, not been there and at least, you know, made that shot, uh, uh, probably other people would have been injured or killed by the shooter. 
And I'm not so sure other people might not have been injured or killed by the responding uh, concealed carriers. Yeah, so, the, the responding I'm, I'm, volley I'm, I'm, of gunfire that was had a great potential to happen in that very small space. But, uh, but yeah, and that, that's one of the reasons but, that I brought that up is, and I didn't. Well, I'm glad you did. I, I didn't lead into it initially, but, uh, you know, we started talking safety, security, all these different things. Right now, we have a very... Well, I'm glad you did because I've got some experience with it, and yeah. I definitely have an opinion on it. And, uh, you know, my opinion is that, you know, do what you have to do. And if you've got a small church, uh, I'm almost certain there's at least one person, uh, maybe two, that would be willing to devote the time and money it would take to, you know, get that licensing because it's not that hard to, yeah. it's not that hard to, you know, acquire. And the second thing is, if you're going to do that without training, you're just in a completely reactive mode. And basically anything that probably is going to happen on your watch is something you never saw or envisioned or contemplated before. Yeah. And uh, that's no time to be, you know, learning how to, you know, deal with a with a lethal force situation in my opinion well and you know carrying a gun without training to me you fall pretty hard into the liability category um these days uh you know you you could potentially save your life but uh without some modicum of training behind you you really you really dance that line between asset and liability um Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, and basically what we want to do, in my opinion, is, okay, I've I've trained to a certain level. I know what I need to do. If this happens, I've got these skills. I've thought about it so that if that happens, whatever that reactionary lag that you have, it's as short as possible. And then you're into act mode and you've already, you already know what you're going to do. You were just waiting for the stimulus. So, whereas trying to make up a plan as you go is uh, fraught with peril. It is indeed. The, uh, the other thing I was going to ask along those same lines, and not to put you on the spot too hard, but <laughs> as a security team leader or a security team member, how do you address the lawful armed citizen that's a potential I'll just go ahead and say it. They are a potential hazard and they are also a very potential asset, right? Uh, as we saw in the white settlement video, uh, there were plenty of guns in that sanctuary. Uh, I would have stopped short of calling it a, you know, a small army, but it was, it, there were definitely some, some God fearing gun toting Americans sitting in the, in the pews of that church. How do we go about addressing re- that? Do we do we address it to the the congregation, or is that something that you know? That's my recommendation. It's that's a known my recommendation. Okay. And now here's the problem, Brian, is you have some churches that actually want to plausibly deny the existence of a security team. They yeah. want them there, but they don't want anybody to know about them. And I've actually been on one of those teams before. Okay. So my recommendation is that, one, you go ahead and say, hey, we have a church security team, and you let people know that you have a church security team. And guess what? If a whole lot of people know there's a church security team, 
that word may get out there to someone that might have, you know, uh, plans on perhaps of coming in there and harming people. And they're like, oh, man, that's not a good place to do it. Yeah. If they don't want to admit that uh, or say, hey, or admit, you know, that we do have a team, you know, my recommendation is that the church leaders make it known that, hey, we do have a plan for dealing with an active shooter response. It is in place. We ask concealed carriers to not intervene unless they or their families, their immediate families, are in imminent danger of being harmed. Take yeah. care of yourself. Take care of your families. But know that we've got people in place, and that th- this notice is for their benefit because we don't want you shooting them, and it's for your benefit because we don't want them shooting you. Yeah. I, uh, I'll throw some kudos to my old pastor. Uh, you know, we had a church safety program. I didn't get really involved with it, but, uh, one of my dear friends that kind of invited me into that, that church family there, he, uh, he tells me, he's like, are you, are you packing? And I go, Mark, you've known me for five years. When am I not packing? And he goes, okay, well, I just need to let introduce you to all the guys that are. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I got the, like, Hey, I made a whole bunch of new friends. It was, it was pretty cool. And then immediately it was, Hey, do you know this cop? Do you know this cop? No. Well, when they, sh- Hey, hang out here, I'm going to introduce you to them. So it was, it was not formal, but it was, so to speak, it was like, Hey, we, you mind hanging out here? Cause we all kind of get together and have a little, have a little chit chat. And it was, who are you? You carry a gun. Okay. My name's so-and-so nice to meet you. And it, and then that day the pastor gets up to, you know, deliver the message or whatever. And before he does, uh, there had been a church incident that was, uh, it was semi high profile for the Midwest. And, uh, as I recall, it was the one where, uh, several people actually lost their life and, and the pastor got up there to kind of calm the flock, so to speak. And, and he says, you know, I want to, uh, you know, we have a, we have a, a layered security team here. You guys probably don't know about it. And, uh, you know, the guys, there are several people in this audience that are armed that you guys don't know about, and I'm never going to tell you who they are until something goes down, but just know that if something happens here, there are well-armed dudes that are, that are very proficient that are ready to address that. Um, you know, and if, if you're one that's got a concealed carry permit and you want to carry a gun to church, feel free to do that. Uh, you know, but just understand that we have people in place that are ready to do that on your behalf. Uh, and it was kind of a real nonchalant, but put it out there that, Hey, there's a lot of dudes here. Yeah, that's that, about as well done as I can imagine. That was well said. Yeah, and and the pastor and I, after we met, I, I told him, I was like, man, that that was really good because um, people need to understand that. They also need to to kind of calm the hero aspect of, well, you know, I'm in the third row, left center here, and if something goes on in the back row it's probably going to be a while before I need to try to take care of that. I need to get my, me and mine out of here before, before I got to do anything. Um, and, and he approached me, this is years before you and I became friends and, 
And uh, he's like, man, is there any kind of training out there? I, I've got to have something. You know, I'd, I'd like to have something a little more. And it's good to know that, you know, like Palisade Training Group, you're, you, you're a bunch of guys there are, are well into being on top of this with people that have actually been there and done it. So, so kudos sure. on that. But, uh, but it was also, you know, that that set up for me when you mentioned that that man that the pastor at my church is actually a pretty sharp dude right so yeah 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 um he was ahead of the pack yeah and he also he had a uh <laughs> this is just a little nugget and if your your church didn't like this i'm sorry but we also had like a men's group wednesday and occasionally that men's group wednesday would meet at the local gun club and uh you know, a couple of times I got to be the leader of the band there and be like, Hey guys, let me show you how to shoot that two inch dot at five yards. <laughs> like, um, so, and it was an informal way to get all of these people on the same page and at least give them some exposure to, uh, some form of training. And I, but it wasn't formal. It was like, Hey, let's go grab a burger and, uh, go, you know, go, go turn bullets into noise, you know? And, and we would do that on occasion or, you know, some guy might host a deal at, at the, uh, local private gun range and say, Hey, you know, bring the barbecue out and the family out and we'll shoot skeet and all the men folk that carry guns to the church. We're going to go over here and shoot like targets. Um, we'll be over here for a bit, you know, so, but we never really formalized it. So, uh, which I guess is better than and nothing. What, Brian, here's. It, it is, but I tell you what, here's the thing that is so super scary, and uh, we have done a lot of just church security uh, team classes, and we've actually gotten away from this, and you know, what I'm about to say is probably going to get me in trouble, but one of the reasons uh, is, is that in a class that is more than just uh, shooting, there's moving, there's getting into position, they're safe gun handling. Uh, what we have found is at least half of the security teams uh, have abysmal gun handling skills. And, uh, and the majority of that one half are not very good shooters and can't, you know, couldn't pass a basic shooting call. And so that's one of the things that we're like, going, okay, we actually need to go ahead and start teaching these, you know, train the trainer classes as much as these people need to be able to get their, 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 their members up to an acceptable level of performance. And if all you've ever done is own a handgun and go to the range from time to time and then get your license to carry, that is by no means training. Right. And so that's something that I caution a lot of these teams. Yeah, we have a team, and I'm like going, you know, I think it's important that you know that there may be some collateral damage that ensues because a lot of these people, they're not mentally and physically equipped to be on these teams. And this is no place for someone that just says, hey, I want to be a hero. Hey, I want to carry a gun. I want to be kind of like, a, you know, a, uh, a soldier or a police officer for a while. It's nothing like that. The liability and accountability for what we do is enormous. And when I see people arguing on the Internet about how everyone needs to be able to make a 12-yard 
headshot like Jack Wilson, I'm like, uh-uh. I, I, I'm the first to disagree. There is a small uh, percentage of people that are on teams that are capable of it. For the majority of us, then you're probably going to have to find another way to solve that problem. And what a lot of people don't really think about, too, is just the fact that there's more than that target. I know you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. You have to know everything that is potentially vulnerable in front of, on either side, and behind, you know, that person that you're trying to stop. With full knowledge that most of the walls inside a sanctuary, not there's, there's exceptions, uh, those are sheetrock walls. Nine millimeter bullets go right through them. Right. And so this is something that people don't really take stock of and something needs to be driven home. They need to understand what their existing physical limitations are and what they need to do to improve them. And then, you know, and by the same token, man, you can't fix a problem unless you know you have a problem. And sometimes the only way to, you know, figure that out is go take a class. And if you've got a hole in your game, well, you know, hallelujah, you now are aware of it and you can take remedial action to fix it. Yeah. Fortunately for me, that, uh, that first like informal day of, Hey, the, the dudes are going to go over here and shoot pistols. Um, I kind of not so de facto took, took charge of that situation and over, over half of those dudes were in one of my first open enrollments. So, yes. so it was, it, yeah, that's just, but it was one of those that I had to kind of go and like demonstrate what good gun handling and good proficiency yes. and good marksmanship looked like. And immediately, even these guys that are older than me looked at me and went, uh, you got something we want. Let's, uh, let's set that up. And, uh, well, and I'm not yes, trying to toot my well, own we, horn here. It just, that's just the way things kind of played out. Um, and the other part was a, a lot of those guys came to me and said, I didn't realize a lot of that was possible because I'd never mm-hmm. seen that. Um, and some of them are still, you know, it was like I cultivated a crop of, of people that were hungry for knowledge that some of them trained with me. Some of them went and saw other people and it, it's fine. Great. Um, but it, it exposed that, Hey, maybe these, maybe all the stuff that I've read in the magazine, maybe I really don't know how to do that. And the one thing, uh, that I can say that was very positive from the Jack Wilson incident was there were a lot of dudes that are concealed carriers that go to church and they're protecting the flock that uh, realized that maybe they needed to up their shooting game quite a bit. Um, so I think that was a very positive thing that came after that because I had people reach out to me like, Hey, can you make a 12 yard headshot? And I'm like, not every time, but I can, uh, I can do it better than maybe the average Joe, but uh, you know, in that window of time, maybe, maybe not. That was a very, very well. And again, that was on a static target. That dude was static. Yeah, for I that brief moment. In another second, for another second or two, he'd have been moving. It'd been a different game. Right, and you you, know, would, you would have had to track it and make that shot. Right, and uh, I remember I had that conversation with a very dear friend of mine. I said, "The only way you're going to know is to go out and pressure test it and see if you can do it." And uh, I'm like. You know, I mean, I'm fairly confident, but in the window of time that he he made the decision and acted on it, 
I hesitate to say that at my skill level, I would feel comfortable doing that. But, you know, I, I wasn't there. I don't, I don't know. And fortunately, that wasn't me. But, uh, you know, old uh, Jack Wilson possessed that skill at that very moment. And, you know, here we are two, three years later and uh, singing his praises. But it really, it really drove the point home to some of, uh, you know, some of the people that I interact with that, you know, there's maybe a lot more to this than just going and getting your concealed carry permit. So, yeah, and just because you can't make that 12 yard headshot doesn't mean that you cannot be a viable team member. Right. You can move and get close enough to where you can't miss. And, you know, we're real big on movement and getting into positions that, hey, I could make this shot at this distance. I know what's behind that person. I can, you know, kind of figure out where that bullet needs to go. And, okay, guess what? I've got body armor on because we required everybody that was on my team at the mega church to wear soft body armor. And once you've worn soft body armor and you kind of get comfortable with the fact that, you know what, I can safely close distance. No, excuse me, strike that word. I can more safely close distance with knowledge that a hit on my torso is unlikely to seriously injure me or kill me. Right. And having that knowledge and knowing that, okay, I know I can get to a certain position. I can make that hit. And having made that prior commitment that, you know what, I said I would do this. There's some things worth sacrificing your life over, and this is one of them, and that's what I'm going to do. And uh, that's how people win these fights. Yeah, and that to me, that comes back to, uh, there was this guy out in Big Bear, California one time named retired Colonel Jeff Cooper, and the bottom of his uh, triad was Mindset. Yes, sir. And, uh, mindsets, everything. That is a, uh, that is a tough subject to try to teach. I'll, you know, to put it, to put it lightly, that's a hard one to teach, man. I can teach you the marksmanship and gun handling, but that mindset aspect, um, that's one that gets, uh, gets down to the brass tacks. So, so it really does. And training can go a long ways toward establishing that mindset. I've made that decision. I know what I'm going to do when that happens. And I've trained so much that when it happens, I'm like, okay, uh, this is go time. And if you're one of those persons who goes, well, maybe it's not, then you, you shouldn't be on that team. You know, leave that position open and let someone else that's willing to, you know, uh, go ahead and do the, do the hard work, take that position. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Steve, we're coming up on the hour. So, uh, what are your uh, your final thoughts on church safety and security to round out this episode? Well, my, my final thoughts on it is that it's very manageable. Uh, the program itself is pretty mature now. Uh, we've got a lot of um, information and knowledge how these things go down. Uh, we also know how we can probably prepare for them. And by doing so, it very much lessens the chances that the house of worship that we're protecting is going to be selected. And if it is, we have people positioned and willing to do what they have to do in order to take care of it. 
So it's something that if people really think they're serious about this, then they need to understand it's a huge commitment. I'm repeating myself, but if you're on a team, there's a lot of responsibility, liability, and accountability for your actions. And there's also a lot of things that can go wrong that have nothing to do with active shooter because actually the chances you're going to be involved in an incident with an active shooter are fairly remote, but they're significantly greater. It may have something to do with, you know, domestic violence or personal conflict. And if, you know, one life is at risk, uh, that's one life too many. If you understand that and you're willing to do that, then it's a big commitment. But if you're going to do it right, you need to get training. And training is much more than, you know, taking a church security class. It's also going to be, you know, achieving uh, some good, uh, you know, handgun skills, uh, maybe some good defensive combative skills. Uh, you're much more likely probably to get punched uh, or tackled than shot. Uh, how to use OC, how to use OC in a church. It can be done safely. Uh, there's a lot to learn. And Brian, if you're like me, uh, learning is something that you probably don't ever want to stop doing. Uh, that's something that I enjoy. That's one of the reasons I enjoy Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is there's always something to learn. Uh, I'll die, you know, a long way from ever getting, you know, any kind of mastery of much of anything, but the journey itself is wonderful. And uh, if you're on a church security team, man, my hat's off to you. Uh, you're doing something that a lot of people are not willing to do, and that's, that's a huge thing. And I hopefully the people in your congregation know that. Thanks, Steve Moses. Episode 83, Church Safety and Security. Some good, uh, good lessons there, man. Like, uh, and uh, just full disclosure, this podcast was not rehearsed in advance. Uh, I actually sprang some questions on Steve there that I, uh, you know, on the fly. So uh, awesome job. Uh, reminder, check out our sponsors, uh, CCW Safe, EDC Belt Co., and the Guardian Conference. Uh, GuardianConference.com. It's coming up. It's sep- almost September again. I can't believe it. Uh, Off-Duty 10 with CCW Safe gets you 10% off your membership. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You know where it's at. We're all over. You can Google it. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to it. Spotify. Isn't that awesome? I'm on the same platform Joe Rogan is. Thanks, Joe. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. The Off Duty On Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not 
liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.